Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at episode number 281. And this episode has a bit of a chumbly movement. About it, I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? It might trundle along, too. <laughs> this episode might trundle along, that's for sure. I'm tired. I'm tired, too. Did you guys have a good week? I did. Why are you so tired, Sean? We, um... Went to Iowa to uh, a friend's wedding this weekend. What did you do, Keith? I'm really tired because we had a, a housewarming party slash graduation party. Yeah, nearly a year after we moved into the house, we have a had a housewarming party. But yeah, so that was we spent all yesterday cleaning, and uh, Sarah's aunt came into town, and she wound up staying at our place last night. So uh, unfortunately, we didn't get any of our shows watched this week. <laughs> Uh, but I did watch Deadpool. <gasps> and? I liked it. It was really good. It's a fun movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it was way better than I expected it to be. I, I thought the humor in it was great. Uh, juvenile, of course, but it's Deadpool. Glenn, did you do anything this week? I went to a housewarming graduation party. <laughs> I watched Deadpool, <laughs> which I'd already seen in the theater. I just happened to buy it this week. And uh, I'm halfway through season six of The Clone Wars. Boring week. Lots of other other things like reading a novelization. And <laughs> yeah, but I, I blew through that. In like I did. I three did days. I did start uh, reading the short story, uh, The Lock In, which I'm about halfway through. So, well, shall we move on to news? Sure. And there's not a lot of that either. Uh, I'm sure the big news this week was that character options announced that later this year, I believe the Ninth, the Series 9 Sonic Screwdriver. No, it's not really the Series 9 Sonic Screwdriver. The <laughs> end of Series 9 and <laughs> part of the uh, the Husbands of River Song Sonic Screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. The new Sonic Screwdriver. The new 9th. The, no, the new 12th Doctor Sonic Screwdriver. Yes. <laughs> that was big news? That was pretty <laughs> that's much. That's the biggest we had. That's pretty much the only oh, news I saw. Oh. Um. Cool screwdriver. I might consider owning it. It's to be released. I have to react to that. Uh, this summer, at some point, I can't find a good date on it. So when you go pre-order it, if you go to pre-order it, twenty first uh, is a good date. June. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll come out before then. You know, make a good birthday present. Let's see, there's another good date. There's another good reason that's a good date in June. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got uh, four light modes and four sound effects on it. So it's kind of a more complex Sonic that we've got than we've gotten before. Oh, I definitely want it then. Whereas previous ones had two, <laughs> two sound modes, one light mode. Aside from Rivers, which had two light modes with one sound mode. The only screwdriver owned has one sound mode and no light mode. <laughs> no light mode. <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming. So be excited. You can be excited for that. And then the only other bit of news I could dig up. <laughs> <laughs> We're scraping the barrel. Yeah, you can tell it's the wilderness year. Uh, <laughs> that is not a word you throw around lightly. Lightly, quit doing that. Uh, 
is that Big Finish has... So in between episodes no, during the season no. of the Wilderness Days. <laughs> Don't throw around that word. It's a... It's the, a the hiatus it year? A, the, we, I think you could safely say we're on hiatus right now. The gap year? That, that one I'm okay with. Although Mind that was gap. what they first called the Wilderness Years. I know Verity was that, trying to figure out what to call turn, this. Hiatus did turn into Wilderness, so I, maybe that's not a good one to use either. The gap year. How about that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a gap year. Gap year, gap year. All right, we'll start using that. Uh, Big Finish app is now available on iTunes. I think it was might have been there before, but they retooled it. So now you can download your favorite stories directly to your Apple device. Oh, no, that's bigger than the Sonic, I think. That's cool. Only if you have an Apple. I did not know that. (laughs) Only if you have an Apple? So hopefully they're getting an Android app too soon. There's an app on Apple stuff. Is it a special app? Is that what you're saying? You can't. It's not just in the iTunes store. Is that what you're saying? That's what this is saying. And then they they reworked the app to make it native to iOS. Okay, so it's it's its own app. Yes, oh, I got you. Okay, so so it's not you can't you app. can't buy them in iTunes. You buy them through the app, yes. but it's native to iOS devices. Yes. Ah, okay, I got you now. So there's an. Now, app we're on the same page for Apple stuff. That allows you to buy Big Finish stuff. Make, yes. Makes it easier for you to buy Big Finish stuff. Okay, got I it. I still think that's really, really cool. And, and, and cool. I, I suppose, cool. I mean, based, Eventually based, on, they could. based on the popularity, Android will have it. Windows phones will have it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Blackberry will. <laughs> well. Amazon will. Uh, they have a phone. That's cool. I li- that's that's neat. I like. Yeah, so Glenn, check out the app and let us know how it works. <laughs> Free on there? <laughs> there might be. I bet the podcast you can get through there. Yeah, I bet you're right. That's it for news. Shall we move on to our feedback? Our first bit of feedback <laughs> comes from Alex. He says, Space communication incoming. Hey guys, Alex here. When I sent you that last email back in September, I. I predicted I'd be getting to your reviews of Series 9 sometimes around early March. (laughs) Well, it turns out I was a little optimistic, but I finally made it to episode 248. Only eight months late. (laughs) Life's been keeping me busy, although I'm still finding time for plenty of Who-related activities. I'm currently re-watching the last few series with a newly obsessed with Matt Smith friend of mine. We just watched The Crimson Aura this morning. So the end is near, but I'm hoping she'll latch on to Capaldi. I recently read through The Witch Hunters, and at the moment I'm reading Mark Gatiss's Roundheads, a second Doctor novel. Have you reviewed those yet? We have not. We have not. It's difficult to keep track when we're meeting out of order like this. I actually get a diary. <laughs> a blue diary. Hmm. So how are things in the future? I took a quick look at the feed, I know, spoilers, and saw that it reviewed The Stone Rose last week, which I remembered reading years ago. Is that the one with the genies? <laughs> if it is, I distinctly remember thinking that the book took a really weird turn after they showed up. And you're doing Galaxy 4 this week, if I have my dates correct, which I watched a while back, and which I think I remember being okay? I wasn't particularly remember memorable, evidently. One thing I do recall about it is that a lot of Stephen's dialogue was originally written for Barbara, because the story was meant to be filmed during the previous season when Ian and Barbara weren't were still around. Can't remember if that made a noticeable difference to his character or not. Sorry, that's a rubbish review. I'll move on. 
Okay, catch-ups, or quick catch-ups. I absolutely love Series 9. I think it's the best season of Moffat's tenure as head honcho, head who honcho we've seen. Obviously, the Zygon two-parter and the Heaven Scent were incredible. But even the stories that didn't get such warm reviews, a la Sleep No More, were pretty good as far as I'm concerned. I'm very much enjoying listening to all your spectacular theories about the series with the benefit of hindsight. Most notably Glenn's, Clara is the hybrid and Maisie Williams is a regenerated Clara from the future theory. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think Clara's departure might be my favorite companion exit of all time. When she first showed up in the 11th Doctor's era, I wasn't a huge fan of her. And as, as I mentioned before, I think the Impossible Girls storyline kind of overshadowed her as an actual person at the time. But over the course of series 8 and 9, her character arc progressed and developed in such brilliant ways having her become more and more like the Doctor, manipulative and reckless and heroic, was a fascinating concept. And I think the resolution that Hellbent gave to that arc was perfect. It wouldn't have been right to have Clara die. Her survival and her continuing adventures with with a TARDIS and companion of her own proved that being the Doctor isn't about being a Time Lord with two hearts who's 2,000 years old. It's about being a certain type of person. Something that anybody can achieve if they choose to. Absolutely magnificent. Sorry, going through your Series 9 reviews is making me want to chatter on about it all day. But of course, now we have a new companion. What does everybody think? I wasn't too impressed by the preview clip, but I do think that it's a fair indication that Pearl Mackey's acting skills. It was clearly, clearly filmed in a bit of a hurry. I'm reserving judgment until Christmas, in other words. Oh, he- I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I don't think that that's a fair indication of Pearl Mackey's acting skills. Now the questions Glenn posed for me in September. You remember these questions, Glenn? Not at all. <laughs> university. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm at the University of Lanchester. Caster. Lancaster. I'm studying English literature and creative writing. It's my dream course. I've just finished my second year, and I'm absolutely loving it. Genuinely, I've never been happier. Also, I'm currently in the middle of choosing my dissertation topic. I'm very seriously considering writing on Doctor Who. That should be exciting. The job is less exciting. I work at KFC in my hometown during the university holidays. Not particularly impressive, I know, but it helps ends meet in between terms. And Wait, it, KFC, like the bucket place with chicken and I'm assuming mashed potatoes and stuff. Oh. I'm assuming there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken there. Oh, why does that surprise me? That there's I don't know. KFC. <laughs> there's McDonald's everywhere. Why yeah, not KFCs? I guess so. I don't have to worry about money when I'm worrying about coursework. I think work. you're using that wrong. <laughs> or Sean. Oh, Alex continues. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I don't, I don't have to worry about money when I'm worrying about coursework and vice versa. I'm hoping to find something up in Lancaster over the summer, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely city and I, I'll, I'd live here all year round if I could. But enough about me. How are you all? Keith, I keep seeing co- pictures of Cody popping up on Facebook and he's adorable. Thank you. If you haven't already, I think you should bring him onto the podcast at some point. Uh, he <laughs> he's was. Been, he's been in the background. He's been in the background. He's just so quiet of a yeah. dog that you never hear him, which is part of why he's such a wonderful dog. Uh, does he love canine or hate him? I don't know if he's watched a canine story with him yet. <laughs> I, think, I think he would. I, I think he would like him. Although, of course, dogs can't see red, so he would be all gray. I didn't know dogs can't see. Yeah, that's the only color dogs can't see. Really? Yeah. It's a misnomer that they can only see black and white. 
But they are colorblind. Man, yeah, they are colorblind because they can't see I red. See. I see. So your shirt would be gray and blue. How are he has a red we shirt. able to determine that? I'm assuming they performed the necropsy. Well, there are s- necropsy? there are certain rods and cones in the eyes that create the various color uh, imprints that your brain translates uh, into color. Yeah, I'm, and if I'm it's assuming missing that those particular rods or cones. Okay. Do 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 finch. It's not like they gave a test to a dog. No, no, no. no, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, although some are smart enough, they probably could. If they're lacking whatever differentiates that color, then the best supposed theory is that they cannot see that color. Okay, I'll buy that for a dollar. So, uh, uh, Alex, I will, maybe not this week, probably next week, watch an episode of well, you should introduce him to Canine and come. Yeah, that's that's what's the one I was thinking. I've been wanting to watch that anyways. <laughs> canine. What was the Canine story we did not long ago? Armageddon Factor. Yes, he was in that. He right? was in that. He was in that a lot. I can't remember if he was on the couch with me during that or not. This is not Atrios. This is not Zeos. What is this place? I think I think he liked Canine. I'm gonna say he did. I don't remember. I'll introduce him to Canine and Company. We'll see what he thinks. Can Time Lords regenerate into you dogs? You should periscope that. <laughs> Here's oh, Cody's reactions do. to canine. Please do. That would be awesome. What I need to do is get a remote so control canine awesome. and see Katie. That's what I thought he meant by that, not in an episode. Oh. Okay. Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm with you. I'm going well, with you. Either way. I'm going to go with it. Keith has a birthday coming up. You can get him that yeah, remote control there canine. I ain't getting his birthday present from last year yet. You might get the remote control canine in about six years. Uh, can Time Lords regenerate into dogs? I don't know. Are there anthropomorphized dogs in the Who universe? You mean a... Well, now that's an interesting question. <laughs> if Romana could regenerate into a gigantic Amazon lady and a small blue person... It, it depends on if there is a dog species out there. But could you go full-blown... There is a dog species out there dog. on Earth. You have one. Well, <laughs> a humanoid dog species. <laughs> Does it even have to be humanoid? No, it's true. I I don't know that there's a limitation there. The Romana, the Romana trying out different transformation or yeah transformations or regenerations kind of throws a uh, question out there as to how that would work. I thought you were going to say monkey wrench, and I was going to say no, it's a dog wrench. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I didn't want to set you up for that. I know. (laughs) Uh, He continues. These are all questions we need answers. We need answering. Are they? I'll try to get to some of those. Are they really? Alex. <laughs> I'm uh, legitimately I wondering now. I guarantee I didn't pose that question <laughs> to him back in September or whatever it was. It's a question that needs answered. I hope to get a Who bandana for Cody at some point. We, we, cool. we are going to tackle that question, and if you would like to throw your support in with us <laughs> to help pay for the mountains of research that are going to be needed to answer that question. There's your dissertation, Alex. <laughs> Visit our Patreon page. In all seriousness, I hope you're all happy and healthy, and goes and that goes to everyone listening to I'm really, tr- go- really going to try and catch up on the podcast over the next few months so that I can be up-to-date on everything. The good news is, Alex, that you don't have to be up-to-date because we're apparently in a gap year. So you've got plenty of time before there are going to be you know, new episodes coming, and we'll be reviewing those. That's right. I think that's all for me. Keep doing what you guys are doing. These podcasts keep me going on the walk to and from campus. Speak to you again someday. Until then, happy traveling, Alex. 
Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Thanks, Alex. Alex. Good to hear from you. Yeah, Glad to hear you. things at college or university are going well for you. Say hi to the colonel for me. <laughs> <laughs> Up next in feedback is Dan. Dan writes, long overdue feedback. You put a lot of O's in there, Dan. You put a lot of words in the feedback, too. Oh, my. That's <laughs> not just one. I may need to increase the size of my font here with all these words. <laughs> hey, guys. Here's that long and way overdue feedback I kept promising. It didn't seem appropriate during your Season 8 weekly reviews, and Christmas just got crazy busy. It seems like the feedback is slowing down a little, so here's a review of the Doctor Who night held at one of our local restaurants back on Thursday, December 17th, 2015. September. Thursday, September 17th, 2015. <laughs> That's my mom's birthday. It's my dad's birthday. Have we talked about this? I think so. We have. Okay. Not on mic, but... <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but 281 long episodes. Alex, you're writing in with answers to questions. Have we talked about this? Um, our whole family would have attended, but Heather had a previously arranged meeting slash retreat. Trevor, age three, stayed with Grandma. This quickly became a father-daughter dinner date. Lexi was excited. This particular restaurant, the Main Hangar, is located in our municipal airport. It's been closed for some time as under new owners and management. The theme nights and occasional live entertainment are promotional ideas to bring diners back to this obscure location. We arrived and got seated to find the room apparently decorated, appropriately decorated. All around the rooms were cardboard stand-ups of the TARDIS, a Cyberman, Davros, and a couple of Daleks. The tables were all set with a printed out from the BBC coloring book, a trivia answer sheet, and a bag of mixed goodies as appetizers. Popcorn, blue-favored pop- popcorn, blue-favored popcorn, pretzels, M&Ms, bits of Nestle bit crunch bars, etc. It, too, was decorated <laughs> with pictures of a Dalek on one side and a Cyberman on the other. I found a table of other goodies back by the buffet table. The appetizer slash dessert assortment. Red foil wrapped red foil wrapped rollos <laughs> to look like fezes. Oh that's a cool idea. That is a really cool idea. I'm making a note of that. Uh, gummy bears for jelly babies. Pretzel sticks dipped in icing and decorated with candy to look like sonic screwdrivers. Bananas, of course. <laughs> Marshmallow adipose, Gallifreyan puffs which are just cheese ball puffs, and bow-tie decorated cupcakes. The entrees, Cassandra lasagna. <laughs> Didn't make sense until I saw the photos. We'll put these photos up too, by the way. They're yeah. great. Vegetable decorated cheese on top looks just like the bitchy trampoline. <laughs> Captain Jack's chopped steak, referenced from the Dr. Dances. Sontaran baked potatoes, cut in half, wrapped in foil, and decorated with silly little faces, surly little faces on them. Galaxy pizza, toppings in a spiral pattern. Fish fingers and homemade custard, self-explanatory, and tastes awesome. Please find the attached photos, which, as Glenn pointed out, we'll post on the website link. The opening entertainment was a little weak. The lights were dimmed and the theme music was played as the servers and staff took turns on stage showing off their cosplay. A few were very well done. Most were just masks made of photos on cardboard. The quiz seemed easy enough, except for one question. When did John Sims start playing the master? They tallied the scores as we started to the buffet. They covered the answers as we finished, then prepared to call the winners. Hayes, the co-host, who works for a local radio station, is a big Doctor Who fan, made a big prize punch wall with candy in it called Punching a Hole in Time. (laughs) 
Lexi said, I want to do that. I knew that I scored well, but not how well. As winners were being called up, Lexi was getting upset that we hadn't been called yet, and I had to explain that the longer it takes to call us, the higher the scores and better the prizes. Oh. <laughs> prizes were all licensed, Doctor Who merchandise, necklace and socks, boots, books, book, boots, <laughs> books. I'm having a hard time tonight. Classic magazines. He hinted earlier they had a sonic screwdriver to give away. We won first place by half of a point. Wow. Yeah. The lady ahead of us also missed one question. The tiebreaker went to me for being able to give Susan Foreman's full name, as she just gave the first name. Yay! Lexi and I were both called up, and she got to punch the candy wall. I was given a Doctor Who encyclopedia and the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit game, from which he collected the questions. After the applause for the winners, everyone went back for seconds, including us. The host came back to congratulate us again and asked if we'd like to take one of the Dalek or Davros stand-ups home. Ooh. Lexi immediately asked for the black Dalek sec. The manager said, good choice, I had to pay full price for that one. <laughs> <laughs> he explained he'd bought the others used from Dallas and Company, which is a locally, a, local, a locally well-known costume rental and party supply store in Champaign, Illinois, for $20 a piece. Lexi and I ate until we were stuffed. Busboys were cleaning up, collected our stuff. I never got a check, so I thought he'd pay at the door. I caught the manager at the bar, and he was shocked. Did you get any refills at least? Wait. That's what he said. Yeah, okay. Did you get refills at least? I assured him we were good. As the waitress got our check, another patron asked if he could bother me with some questions. Sure. He was a new fan and wondered if he understood the show right. I figured I would help him since I... He figured I could help him since I won the trivia contest. Bill paid. The manager got our Dalek stand-up, thanked us again for coming and playing. The other patron asked, what happened to the sonic screwdriver? Good point. The manager looked apologetic and said, with a level of disgust, his son had claimed the sonic screwdriver is his. <laughs> we didn't question him any further, but now I know why he gave us the Dalek. <laughs> Lexi and I were beaming as we walked out of the airport, arms full. We both thanked God for a great evening, and Lexi kept thanking me for taking her, and I kept thanking her for coming with me. Trevor and Grandma were surprised to see the prizes. Quickly, it was bedtime for them and work for me. We're all looking forward to doing this again this fall. Thanks again, guys. Sorry for the delay. Dan in Central Illinois. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. This is an amazing restaurant yeah. that yeah. I suspect is not going to be open forever. <laughs> They're spending all this money on themed prize nights, but cool. That's neat. Uh, Dan uh, wrote in long overdue feedback part two with some more pics attached and a PS. They also had Doctor Who themed drink specials the Blue Moon, the Gallifreyan Double Sunrise, Regeneration Energy. And the TARDIS, a non-alcoholic, which was our choice and very good. Later, Dan. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like it was a lot of fun. And we will make sure we get all of these pictures posted on our website. It won't go in the podcast post. It'll come afterwards. Just so you keep an eye out for it. Or before, depending on if these guys get it up before I get the <laughs> podcast out. <laughs> Regardless, they'll be there one yeah. way or the other. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that, because we've got another little surprise for you. This is a special announcement for our Patreon subscribers. Now, for those of you that do subscribe to us on Patreon, again, we thank you for that. And we sent you out welcome goodie baskets uh, a while back. And uh, inside the welcome goodie basket... Yeah, go get the fez. <laughs> Uh, inside the welcome goodie basket is uh, you know, a bunch of goodies, including one half of a raffle ticket. 
and you had instructions to hold on to this raffle ticket for a future raffle to win a prize from the fabulous Traveling the Vortex Prize Vault. Today is the day! Mix them up. So we're going to draw a raffle ticket. Everybody should run and start scrambling through closets and uh, shoe boxes and wherever you may have put these. <coughs> Excuse me. And Glenn is reaching in now, and he has pulled a ticket. And <coughs> if you have the number three, three, five, four, nine, six. Bingo. Oh wait. <laughs> Again, the number is three, three. Five, four, nine, six, and you are our winner. Congratulations to that lucky, lucky individual. Send us an email with saying I won. Let us know that you're the winner. And a picture of the ticket, just to you know, keep just the, to verify it. Just yeah. to keep the lawyers happy. Right. Um, everybody else, hold on to your tickets for future drawings because we may do something else. We may come back next week and tell you, no, nah, it's okay, throw them out. But <laughs> for right now, you hold can't on win twice. So if you are the winner, that's that was your chance, that's and it. congratulations to you. Uh, as Sean said, if you are supporting us on Patreon, we continue to thank you. And if you aren't supporting us <laughs> on Patreon and you'd like to get in on some of these uh, fun drawings and prize packages that we send out and uh, help support the show, you can find a link on the right-hand side of our pay website page, www.travelingthevortex.com. Click on there and uh, sign up and uh, support us on Patreon. Every bit of that money goes right back into this show and to do fun things like prizes. <laughs> and uh, also play, pays for server space so that we can continue to bring these shows to you week to week. And, of course, you can always send us feedback at feedback at Traveling the Vortex or on the site on our website or reach out to us on any of the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram. We just realized that it's easier well, they, for us to yeah, do Instagram now. So with the update hopefully we'll be doing more Instagram. Hopefully we'll be posting a lot more, especially now that con season's underway. Right. And, of course, the Goodreads Book Club. Don't forget to go in and weigh in on the book there. Did we announce this month's book club? Uh, I believe we did choice? last week. We did, okay. Well, as a reminder, Regardless, it's... As a reminder. It's Aramim, the Last Pharaoh. All right, shall we move on to our review? Yeah. The Doctor and his companions, Vicky and Steven, land on a planet that is about to explode. They are soon caught up in a desperate race against time to thwart the evil plans of the Dravins to save themselves at the expense of the peace-loving Rills. Dun-dun-dun! I, I would give it that, especially for the book. Yeah. Especially for the book. The book really yeah. helps flesh out a lot of stuff in this. As the book tends to. Now, we're uh, we're kind of going over a little bit of the, the loose cannons reconstruction, which we had an opportunity and uh, availability to us to review. We're also looking at the little special collection that they put together, a condensed version, uh, surrounding the actual uh, recovered episode that they found uh, a few years back, which was, I think, the third episode, uh, Air, uh, Airlock. Airlock. Um, and we're going to talk about that, and we're also talking about the novelization that was written by... The author. You, uh, I'm sure. Was, I'm sure the book was written William, by the author, William M. And William M. also wrote the, the uh, television story, story yeah, as well. That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> I know. I was just jabbing. It was written by the author. I didn't have the name right in front of me either. So. <laughs> I really I, I I had heard that this story was kind of meh, and I knew Peter Capaldi enjoyed it because of the Chumblies. And I have to say, I really liked it. It's it's not an overly complex story. It's a very basic 
You're very, it's, it's, you're very basic, it's your, not very basic, it's your basic story, but it's got some nice turns to it that I appreciated. Uh, the fact that, like, they meet the Dravins and they're these evil, or they're talking about these evil monsters, and it, I, I really, I like the fact that the monsters wind up being the good guys and that the quote-unquote pretty ones were the bad guys. Mm-hmm. It's a nice change of, uh, what you expect going into the story. And I like the Chumleys. Uh, their designs are rather neat. I like how they collapse to conserve power and then expand. And they're It's also a defense mechanism. As yeah, well. yeah. It's, they're really well designed. They're not as great as Quarks, in my opinion, but <laughs> they, they, they are a bit more... Effa- I will agree they're a bit more effective than Quarks. Only one or two of them got defeated, as opposed to all the quarks. Yeah, can't shoot them, but boy, you can bash them over the head with a bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's their, and they can't sense you from behind. Yeah, so. a couple of weaknesses there. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought Vicky got a decent amount to do, uh, especially the, it it starts off kind of not to fit Vicky's benefit of staying behind. And then it, it's nice that Steven in turn stays behind, and he kind of gets something to do back on the ship, and then Vicky gets to go and gets that great growth of character for her, where she was afraid of these of the rules at first, and then turns around and really starts to appreciate them and isn't afraid of them by the end of the story, and really cares about them and the Chumleys. It's, um, it's I, I, I believe that... Uh... Uh, who did the first feedback? Alex. Alex, thank you. Uh, I believe that Alex was correct, and that some of this was some of it written for was written for uh, Ian and Barbara. That the story was originally presented that way, which, if you look at that, kind of almost flips the story back into oh, so Barbara's been captured and she has to hang out on a couch. You know, yeah. kind of, yeah. kind of thing. So, whereas I, I think you kind of, uh, you, I think you and I both would have come down on the same side of it being that it was interesting that they kind of flipped that a little bit for Stephen to be the one that yeah, was instead of shifting that role to Vicky, instead of shifting that role to Vicky. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad in a way then that the story, for whatever reason, got delayed until we had a new set of companions, and they could have given that information to Vicky. They could have given that part of it to her, and oh, yeah. Stephen could have been off and doing the adventuring thing. But I think it worked better. Um, Certainly for the the um, the visceral um, initial horror and disgust at the appearance of the rills to come from Vicky, who is much more childlike, obviously, than Stephen. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I this is a great story. I enjoyed it immensely. And like you said, it's a simple one, but it's it, it's really good. I think uh, I think it benefits greatly from the fact, as we discussed kind of last time with um, the Crusade when we did the Lost Story, that reading the novelization. Oh yeah. I, I'm. I, we kind of joked about it last time. That's how we're going to do it. For not. I'm. Yeah, I'm not going to do another one of these with. A, well, I haven't done one yet. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not doing a lost story without well, reading it, the novelization. It makes me want to, like we did with Ghostlight, go back and revisit some of the ones we watched so long ago. That we jammed all like three stories into one podcast. Marco Polo, or <laughs> yeah, some some of those, and read the novelization, and then watch the story, and see if some of those that we kind of came down negatively on before we would appreciate more. It um, it certainly helps, especially with recons. Um, whereas you know, 
I don't get me wrong. I, it's it's Doctor Who, so of and, course and I'm this, there. But. This story, I think, works decent as a recon because it's while there is a decent amount of action, there's just it's it's simple mm-hmm. enough story that you don't get lost in having just still pictures. Mm-hmm. And and when when you do, when you get the book ahead of time, before if you read the book the novelization ahead of time before going into the story. You, 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 you have the information there and available to you. So then when you can sit down and watch the recons, even though it's just an image and you're getting the dialogue, but it's a still picture, in your head you've already been given kind of, you've already been painted a picture. So this is just kind of solidifying what you thought you knew. Although the rules didn't look anything like I imagined. <laughs> no, but I really liked the design of them. And I, I love, like their heads a lot. I love the fact that we never really got kind of a clear shot of them. I thought that was an ingenious way of doing it. Well, and, you and kind it, of get one at the end. You, you do, do finally you, you kind of get the, the one ship, at the end. But the, the ship. There's you still, see all four of them standing there. Yeah, but they're still behind a pane of glass. glass. Yeah, so yeah. It was, and then, I, and then I had a thought. Okay, you ready for this? What if the Rills eventually... <laughs> I'm going with this. What? Go, go, go. What if the Rills eventually become the 456? That's what I thought. <laughs> the big scary alien behind a glass partition with gases and stuff? Yeah. Ooh. Or their uh, relatives. No. Could be relatives. No? Cousin species. Characters vastly different. They would have to evolve and change quite a bit. They would, just like the ice warriors. <laughs> they, 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 they would. Per, 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 Almost de-evolve. <laughs> yeah, de-evolve. Per, perhaps the. Uh, um, or maybe that was a young version. Could be perhaps four, five, six. Perhaps the Draven um, unleashed some sort of biochemical warfare on the Rills in the future that forced them to not be as cool. I hope I'm. I, I hope that doesn't happen. Quite honestly, because I would much. I would much rather the Rills and the Chumblies come back. Oh yeah. This is another one of those species that I'd be man. I'd be all over if they managed to bring these back in a, an update. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, think, think, cool. I think they could easily do it. And I don't think the Chumblies would need too much of an update. Give them boosters so they can levitate and stuff, and that's all you pretty much need. My first experience with uh, Galaxy 4 was the the first episode, or not the first episode, but the episode that they had found, they'd recovered, and they actually screened it for us at uh, Gallifrey the year that I was out there. And unfortunately, out of context, because I only got to see that episode, out of context, it, it's, it's real hard to follow, and it almost seemed a little silly. In fact, we all kind of chuckled when the Chumblies came on the screen, and I had seen pictures of the Chumblies, so I knew what to expect. But when they're really just kind of chumbling around and, and they, they they really come off kind of like the quirks do initially when you see the quirks, in my opinion. Uh, they come across as, as just really they, – they seem ineffective until you put them in the context of the entire story. Yeah. And so, th- so that was my first experience with it. And then about a year ago or so, I went back and I finally picked up the uh, Loose Cannon Reconstruction – and decided, okay, I'm going to finally see this one. Because this is one that it does not... It, it is panned by the majority of, of uh, Doctor Who fandom. It's, it's not, I'm, not, I'm really upon. honestly not sure why. Yeah, it's not it looked either. upon favorably. And I think the problem is, is because for me, I did not... I was, I was in the same boat. I didn't enjoy the story watching the reconstruction on my own the first time. And uh, part of the reason being is because I came to it without the, no, the knowledge of what's going on. And so... Mag, uh, Maga becomes very she's very two dimensional especially in the reconstruction because you don't get to see a lot of the action 
and you don't get a lot of the background of the machinations that that are going on. You don't yeah. you don't get the you just get that little dialogue of her talking about the uh, to herself about the soldiers and how they're no no good to her in space. But you get just a real truncated explanation. So the character isn't you don't see as much of the motivations. You just see this really gritchy woman that's just you know you have one opinion of her and one idea and that's all you get and i i did always like the from that the idea of the fact that you had this warring kind of race of people that were just survival and kill and all that matters is dravens and you did on the flip side have the rills which was the species that's painted as the bad guy initially to the viewer because that's all the information that we get only to find out that the 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 judge a book by its cover is always you know the wrong thing to do because they really are the the better of the two species they're not the evil they're not the shoot first and and so i've always appreciated about the story the problem that i have is the originally watching the reconstructions i you don't get to appreciate number one i didn't i i imagined or at least saw on the stills a much bigger ship that the Dravens were in. Seeing it in uh, the way that they did it this time, it was a much more claustrophobic feel, which I I also serves some uh, uh, lends to some characterization of the preservation of those those and how their desperation. So it gave me a little more appreciation for their full-heartedness of going against the reels and wanting to get off this planet with their ship. So it gave just a little bit more of an element, a little more dimensionality to the characters. But so overall, watching that, I didn't hate it the first time that I saw it. Didn't hate it, but I, I also landed on the yeah, this is really kind of a dry. There's not much going on here. It wasn't until I read the book this week, and it really, like you said, painted a picture, fleshed out the story, the things that you couldn't really see because you were only basing a lot of it on sound and a lot of repeated of the same stills, Mm -hmm. was really fleshed out in the book. And the thing that I think does it even more of a service is the part where we talked about this week, the Doctor and Stephen on their way back to the ship, (laughs) all in the trap. Yeah, and it's not in the story at all. Exactly. And so uh, getting out of that really kind of gave us a, a different locale it gave us a different it wasn't just a back and forth between the two ships that we keep yeah. seeing to get in the reconstruction so after that and reading the book and really getting to know these characters better and the, the reels don't come across as even though in the reconstruction they are their motivations are are good and they're true and they are friendly and they do have this uh, need to you know, preserve life, and they want to help. They want to reach out, and help the Dravins. They want to. They become friends with the Doctor. The portrayal of the reels in the story are so very forceful, and uh, 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 they, yeah. they, it's hard to warm up to them at first because even though they're saying friendly things, they're saying it in such a way that it's like eh, I, I'm not <laughs> sure if you're being serious or not. And should I trust you? You know that kind of thing. So uh, the it's book like really in a menacing voice. I love you exactly. <laughs> The, and so the but the book softens that when you read it. It really does. So then after I finished the book and I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book, I thought I gave it four stars on uh, Goodreads and quite enjoyed it. And then was excited to go back. And so then going back then and first watching the truncated one, which I still think is the better one, 
in my head because it, 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 it moves the story along. It cuts it out a lot of that back and forth bits. Because you don't get the story of them falling into the thing. You don't get the things that are going through the doctor's mind when he's disconnecting the unit that, that changes well, the gas get, into the you don't the the uh the immediacy. You don't yeah. get it in this in the television story as much as you do the every moment of him cutting a different cord and getting down to the last one yeah. that absolutely would have destroyed the reels. And so going back, though, so the, the short truncated one paces it, I think, a lot better. However, that being said, I still did even enjoy the loose cannon reconstruction because then knowing, like I said, a lot more of the motivations, that the, the, the uh, uh, characters don't seem as two-dimensional. Now, the, the, the soldiers still seem two-dimensional, but they're supposed to. Because yeah. they only really serve one purpose, and well, and they don't really serve. More, they're, they're one dimensional in the book too. Yeah, exactly. And so, but 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 one once you get a little more of Maga's background and her, you know, uh, uh, motivations and the reason for her machinations and that, those kind of things, then it, it it works a lot better. And I think the escape at the very end is even much more intense, impactful in the book. And so, imagining that from the story. Watching the loose cannons reconstruction again, and even the truncated uh, reconstruction on uh, the Aztecs helped a lot, knowing that there was a lot more going on. There was a lot more battle with the Chumblies. There wasn't as much, you know, uh, just it, it almost seems quick and choppy in this in the TV version. So I was able to go back and appreciate this story much more, but would not have landed on this level had I not read the novelization. So it, 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 that that's where I landed on this kind of the progression for me. Well, I, I liked how the novel also expanded expounded on the rules way more and their species in general about how they talking about how they move so slowly and they live for so long that we look like little insects to them. I, I really appreciated all that depth and context to the characters and it helps lend to why they sound the way they do once I eventually hear their voice. I also kind of lend that to the fact that they had to learn the language. Yeah. They had to learn yeah. how to communicate. So that kind of came across this, the second time that I think it worked better for me. And even with the, the uh, with the Chumbly initially, we get that fast sped up tape. Yeah. There's a lot more to that because then it slows down way too much. And Vicky has to kind of coax it into the right speed and effort. Which makes, again, with what you were saying, with the fact that they're kind of... Are, are on this other plane with and they communicate they're, they're, they're like ints yeah you know yeah. this is the speed at which we move and so we're going to talk to you so not necessarily gonna, a plane of reality but a plane well, of evolution yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, just that uh, you know so we're going to have this thing speak really really fast thinking that's the way it's the, you, right. you, you, obviously you must talk that fast and she has to say no 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 it's too fast <laughs> counter, counter to that I think it also really speaks volumes for humanity and how they are reflecting on the fact that humans and, and a lot of humanoids move too fast. And so that kind of lends to the idea of why our lifespans are shorter, why we don't live as long, because we're continually wearing on our bodies, whereas they have found by slowing down, it elongates their, their lifespan as well. So I liked that as, as well. Not to mention... The the book goes a lot more into the Draven culture. Yeah. Not not it doesn't go into a, a huge diatribe on 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 the background of <laughs> you don't the, get a history lesson. Yeah, the Dravens. But fortunately, 
her inner dialogue is a little more on why she's there, what the purpose of them going, and why she doesn't like the uh, soldiers as much. It's not just because they're mindless. It's because they don't serve her any purpose other than an army. And she's really there for another purpose, and that's the scientific aspect or the idea of finding a coloniz- co- a, a uh, habitable planet to colonize for, yeah. the, for the Dravids to move on. She's still warlike. She's still very much in that mindset of domination. When uh, William Ems originally wrote the Dravins, they were men. And Verity changed them to women. Oh, see, that was a wonderful uh, uh, choice by, oh, yeah, by Verity to come in and say yeah. that. Because I think it made it work even more. Because that's the if it had been men, you kind of take that for granted. Because oh. that seems to be uh, typical. But when you turn it, you flip it to a, a dominant uh, uh, sex of females, then it, it really kind of makes you think and it, it expands the character a little more. Well, it helps with that misdirection at the beginning, too, that these are good people partially because they're the females. They're the female species. They're beautiful. They're uh, The novel does a really good job of uh, Stephen's inner dialogue on yeah. his struggle with the idea that he has to treat them as he would warriors or men or something, and he has to get over that stereotype because he wants to uh, not be as forceful or as. And then he even regrets when he knocks the one Draven out, Draven three, I think it is, yeah. that's, that's watching him when he knocks her out on the floor and realizes that he does have to be assertive with these because they they are there to kill him. It's not this, you know, <coughs> soft petite women that oh, yeah. he seems to be very, you know, stereotypical or, or familiar with himself. I I also really like that the Chumleys always thinking that's a, such a weird name for whatever these things are. I kind of like that that's not their names. That's just what Vicky calls them. It's kind of like the Ice Warriors. That's not what they are. Well, That's just what somebody called them and the name stuck. Yeah. And then the fact that because whatever the Rills call them this apparently doesn't translate or something, that they... Then they, they just initially call it, them the machines. Yeah. yeah. Every, and in the book, they keep it that way. Only... Our our main three characters call them Chumleys. Well, even in the even in the even in the television episode, I know that I paid attention. That they, they all they would refer to them as the Chumleys when they were referring to the our, the Tardis crew. Yeah, because that's what they had what they were familiar that's with. They were but them. they still, I mean, the, the Dravins refused to call them Chumleys. The oh yeah, they never time. did. Yeah, they always said the machines. The reels kind of well, the one reel that was that was communicating with them utilized the word Chumbly because of the to help to help that. Communication. Identify, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't know why, but that is part, one of my favorite things about the story for some reason. I, I just, that, the fact that it was a nickname that Vicky gave and then that the way it all pans out, I just really appreciate that. That and the fact that in the past we've gotten Susan named the TARDIS. Well, no, actually, that's what they're called. You know, so and so named the Ice Warriors on, in an article. Well, no, that's what they've always been called. And it's, so it's it's it was nice to see the consistency through this one, where no, that's oh. that's our that's Tardis Crew's name for them because that's what they named them, and that's carried out all the way to the yeah. end. Yeah, and Chumley is not a real word, right? That's a made up word. Well, I got the impression to, since she she said the they dictionary. they chumbled along, she it must have been a real word to her at yeah. the very least. 
Or uh, just some sort of descriptive word that she decided to use. Yeah. Uh, an onomatopoeia, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I, I, yeah, I, this is one of those few times that I've, I've reevaluated something, and I, I agree with you, Sean. I, I just think we need to continue. Anything, there's a lost story, I think, too. While, while we're not getting the purest form of how to review a story, we're also not getting that with a with a reconstruction, and God bless everybody that has done these reconstructions. All oh, of the yeah. different groups that have done these reconstructions because they've done them to the best of their ability, and they've at least given us a representation. But I think that the novelizations take that one step further, and by coupling all this together, I think we get the best of all worlds. That's very true. We may have had a completely different take on this if we had watched. Well, I definitely would. Galaxy Four <laughs> in its entirety, and it wasn't lost. Oh yeah, that's and, 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 you know, looking at it in that light, we may have come down on it and go, "Wow, this is really a mediocre story, and there's nothing of, of value here." And then come back to it with the novelization, gone. Well, the novelization actually added a few elements that make you know, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe you know, and you can the, the lens of hindsight is 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 such that we're kind of stuck with the fact that you know, we can't review the episode as was, although scientists did send particles back in time this week. (laughs) So there's your history or your uh, science (laughs) lesson for this week. So they've at least proven that time travel is possible. Sort of. Sort of. (laughs) Um, In a very rudimentary... So maybe we can go back and save these episodes. But <laughs> uh, And I don't think any of us would advocate for doing novelizations for any stories that we haven't reviewed that do exist. But we have, like Keith said, tinkered with the facts. idea of going right. back now and re-looking at some uh, uh, particular stories with a, a different perspective because of some help. Of well, and we talked about this off mic, Glenn and I, that... Part of I think part of why I loved the Moonbase way more than you guys is because I read that novelization before the DVD came out, and so I have that going into it Picture that we have head. like this. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there there's a lot of Doctor Who fandom, especially our age and especially in the UK, that probably have that same perspective. They might like episodes better than the consensus of the population of Doctor Who fans because of the fact that growing up when there weren't reruns or there weren't video cassettes that had these when they started releasing them in the early 90s late late 80s early 90s they didn't have the opportunity to go back and see stories so a lot of their experience of of very early Doctors were from the uh, novelizations and then when they were available to be able to view they already had an affinity or a, a uh, an affection yeah affection for them so uh, they might have a different take on them as well so there's there's certainly different aspects and caveats to that uh, in the novelization I, I you can tell that this one was written much later in the novelization run 104 I think yeah something like that because while he, the doctor has a great uh, a great moment in the actual story of I'm um, getting old. This the, the novel really hits home the fact of this body and t- almost not quite saying the word regeneration, but yeah. implying that okay, it's uh, it's probably about time for me to regenerate soon. Yeah, 
which I, I thought was kind of. I think, also, I think it also. I think it also though did did the dangerous uh, must have been maybe around the time of uh, Brain of Morbius uh, before it's established that the first Doctor is actually the first Doctor's incarnation. Oh yeah, because there's a lot of times that it hints to the fact that this isn't necessarily his first body. It almost it doesn't. And so you kind why, of wonder why if maybe did I choose this body? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you kind of wonder if maybe it was also written in that time era where they were still as Morbius kind of tried to suppose that there were previous regenerations before uh, William Hartnell's first Doctor, as we call him the first I, Doctor. I, you know, I didn't. maybe my brain just automatically retconned that bit in the story, but now that you point that out, I, I totally see that. But while reading it, I thought of... almost more of why haven't... why did I... Why haven't I not regenerated yet? Why have I not given up this body yet? Is the way I read yeah. it. Yeah, and he does do that too. You're right. You did read that. But there were moments where yeah. he talks about this body and uh I guess I felt like that was more foreshadowing knowing. Yeah, maybe. But but you do bring up a good point about that one line. So I hadn't thought of it that way. Um shoot, what was I gonna say? It was just just completely escaped me. Well we're on the doctor. Uh this, oh. was, this was one of those, uh, as as we've started discovering once Susan kind of departed, that the Doctor is a bit more playful and a bit more fun, and a bit more of the Doctor we come to know and love a little bit later. It's not the grumpy yeah. Doctor from the first couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very different tone for the Doctor. And I, I the more I see of the Doctor, I, I've always been kind of meh on the Doctor on the first couple of seasons. But the more I see of him with Vicky, especially, they have such a good relationship, the more I like the two of them together. And the more I like William Hartnell's Doctor more and more. as his, Not just because he's the first, but because of what he does with the role later and how they write him. My favorite... I've, I've, I've narrowed it down. My favorite William Hartnell Doctor stories, or, or times that he's the Doctor that I like him the most are almost all Vicky stories, and I think it drives down to the relationship that he had with Vicky. Yeah. I think it was much warmer. I think it was regretful that he didn't uh, treat Susan the same way that he treats Vicky, and so I think uh, he's almost treating retroactively like or within the like within the canon. Yeah, yeah, within the canon, I think it works that way. I think we could retcon it that way, but it they they certainly have this really really good. Uh, uh, Rapport, and I think that then to an extension goes to Stephen as well because when he's better with Vicky, he's also better with Stephen. He's just less grumpy because, in general. Yeah, well, because yeah. when Vicky leaves, there are stories with Stephen where it feels like we've reverted back to mm-hmm. the you know doctor that we're familiar with with Ian and Barbara in some of those stories that, that I'm familiar with. And so I, I have, I've nailed it down to when Vicky's around, the doctor's a much, much more pleasant man, <laughs> and I enjoy him <laughs> a lot more. I wonder if some of that uh, later, like the War Machines, where he feels like this version of the Doctor, even more so, even elevated in that one. I, wonder I think if, he sort of did, didn't he? I wonder if some of that is the new companions on there, or if with Stephen Gunn and Dodo there, if the dynamic, if the, if why it, that is. I know. need to see more. Well, there, is there more? There's um, not a lot because Dodo's. And, well, no, in fact, you, no. Uh, War Machines and then Tenth Planet was. Yeah. Well, no. There's a the there's one in between there. The Savages is in there, I think, in between. Yes, I think yeah, the Savages think right. is between. So, and I'm not from. I in fact, that is probably now the only. I think I determined that's the only first Doctor story I have not seen of in in any way. Mm. So. 
the other thing that I, I was going to point out, and I think this has to do with because it was written so late, or not so late, but further down away from, from the actual story airing, and I did not notice this, and maybe it was there and I just didn't notice it, but I did not notice this as much with the Crusades. Uh, while there's additional di- dialogue in the book, every line of dialogue from Galaxy 4 is in the book, and it's it's in there almost verbatim. Yeah. And I did not notice that with the Crusade. But part of me wonders if that comes from the author going, okay, well, for recall, I need to go back to the script and see what I wrote. And so he went to the script and made sure all of the words got into the book and then expounded upon that and was able to you know, fill in a little more, especially a lot of that inner dialogue that's, yeah. that's happening. Uh, he's obviously uh, making that up as he goes along, which I mean, sure, he had that was kind of in the forefront of his mind when he was writing the uh, television story but every bit of dialogue when I went back I was like <laughs> they didn't miss a beat every bit of dialogue is in that book I'm, I'm kind of of two minds of how they formatted the book too while it wasn't in the traditional chapter format like the crusade was well, it was it was just four well, chapters yeah just four <laughs> chapters and it was part one part two part three part four part of me missed the chapters where it was easier to take a break mid book but the other part of me, had I wanted to, it would have been kind of nice to read a part, watch a part, read a part, watch a part. So I kind of like that idea of structuring it, too. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm torn. That might be if any of, I don't know, I'm not familiar enough with the targets, but uh, if the if any other ones are formatted that way, if you know ahead of time, I wonder if yeah, that's an experiment that, to, do, is, to do, is to read a part, watch a part, read a part, watch a part. Because, like, there are, thinking back to Game of Thrones, I... Would love to figure out where each part lands in the season, so when I read the Clash of Kings, I could instead of waiting till I finish it to watch the season, watch yeah. it in tandem. I, I've always thought that would be a fun. That one's so scattered though, because they yeah. they, 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 they 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 went way ahead for a lot of things yeah. because they wanted the stories to concurrently happen within a certain time frame. And yeah, the books are so scattered from my research of it. Um, uh, and one more thing, and it's already. But, but the, well. the, the the structure of this one felt almost more like a novelization, like a literal novelization, whereas the Crusade almost felt like a novel. Yeah, this yeah. felt yeah. more like a novelization because it's here's episode one novelized, here's part two, part three. And part I wonder three. if part of that might have been um, the author's unfamiliarity necessarily with with a book format and maybe when he was given the assignment to to you know go write a novelization of this that well what do you need and they're like well we need blah 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 pages so he literally took the script and the dialogue and the, you know, the, 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 those things that you mentioned are all there and just wrote it down as prose and then they went back. Well, it's too short, so he went and I well, pre- I, 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 I need pre- to add a trap here, and I need to. I add think you're to this. presupposing too much because oh, I, no, I just wonder if that's well, maybe the I reason think you for are pre- it, which is why it would also fit the formatting. Well, but the evidence to support that is, I think that that might have been lent a little bit to that, but it is written eloquently. It's not written like oh a yeah, no, 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 script. it is. And no. I think anybody that has a grasp on being able to write a book would understand that. Well, this is natural spot for a, a chapter break so what makes me think is is he did it for uh probably to do something different that wasn't being done in books before mm-hmm. he said you know well, let's let's go ahead and make this all one part and let's make all this one two parts and this all three parts if it had been written in such a way that i felt like he had written between lines of a, of a script 
then yeah, I would agree. But it's not written. It doesn't. It doesn't read like a television. It doesn't read like a television. No, it doesn't read like a script at all. And so that's what tells me that he had a really great. Unless he had a lot of help from an editor, that tells me that he could have written it. And because there there are points where I felt like. He would have gone, this would make a good chapter break and go oh, on. Yeah. But I think maybe for the preservation of a style, he said, well, you know what, I'm just going to make this all one part, make all these two parts. I don't know. Well, we're, both, if, we're both presuming. So. I, I, well, I wonder if so some of it no, was... No indication which of us would be right. If it was written in the Morbius time frame, would they have known at that point that the episodes were missing? Could he have written that to try to replicate the story as best he could as since we couldn't see it? But they definitely knew the episodes were missing at the time that he wrote this. So, so maybe he, that was why that's one hundred percent. That's why he formatted this book that way. Is well, if we can't see my story that I wrote, let's give it presented in the same format and style of what the, what it would have been on t- on screen. It's an interesting idea. That, actually, that's that's a very good point, Keith. That might have been why he chose to do that. It makes the most sense. I'm with you. I, I liked the fact that uh, you know I, I, there was a part of me that kind of missed the chapter stops, but then I thought this is really kind of cool that this is, and clever that this well, is how this is done. There, there are good spots in the story where you can take a break mid chapter if you want when sure. they switch to different parts. Well, of the I, story. I think we've talked about this before, and I think it's 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 our different it's our difference in preference. Really? Oh yeah. Because I'm one of those kind of guys that can put a book down at any time. You guys are both always indicated that you would yeah, rather I, have, at, at the very least, a uh, a breaking point with it. You know how they do sometimes they do those paragraph breaks yeah. where they're really they they do the little dot dot dot. You know in the in between, and it's it's or almost like well you should have you should have just yeah you should have just put a chapter stop here anyway. But uh, you guys have always voiced your uh, preference to stop at a chapter to read to the end of a chapter and put the book down. I've always been one of those type of people. I could pick up, I don't do this, but I could even pick up mid-sentence if I had to. If I had to put a book down and go up, I can come back and pick up mid-sentence. Now, sometimes I may go back and reread the whole sentence, but <laughs> but I can put, if, if, if a thought has concluded, I can put the book down. And, and Part of that down. is I just don't like to. Part of that is um, being a vicarious reader, it, I think it, it encourages me to stop for the night <laughs> and go to bed. It's a, it's almost versus if you give boring. me a longer chunk, I'm just going to keep plowing yeah. until I get to a. It might a subconsciously point. affect me that way too, because like I said, I read this book in like three days, and it was mostly <laughs> because I just kept going. Yeah. Just gonna, this is really good. I'm just going to keep going. Anything else we have to say on this particular story? I wish it was available in its entirety. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I enjoyed I, it. I I'd like, like to see to all able, of it. I would like to be able to see this in all moving pictures. We 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 talked a little bit of this before the show, but it was I was it was a jarring surprise when we're <laughs> we're halfway through that what would have been the first episode and it picks up and starts moving and I was like, I haven't seen this. This is what I watched at California. I know which episode they recovered. What where is what did this come from? And just you know, it, it goes on for about five ten minutes and then it freezes again and goes back into the picture telling and i was like that was weird and it wasn't until i got here that that sean was explaining this to us that the reason why that particular uh part exists is because it was loaned out for a documentary correct and they used obviously pieces of it used the whole 10 minute clip but uh, fortunately that was returned at some point and i bet that's on the lost in time box set i just hadn't seen it it could be. Uh, I, I do. I do remember seeing on the Tortoise Wiki that at one point it was included on the Ice Warriors VHS, maybe one one of the VHS, a documentary on one of the VHS tapes. 
Uh, let's see, additionally, uh, almost six minutes worth of footage from episode one is held in archive thanks to a 1977 documentary entitled Who's Doctor Who? Although only 30 seconds was eventually used, the oh. footage that was discarded was kept by uh, Jan Vincent Rutuski, the president, then president of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, who acted as a technical advisor on the documentary, Good on him. and yeah. later returned the footage he had kept to the BBC in the 90s. Good man. Yeah, that was it. That was while parts of this was all new to you. There was nothing new to me until I hit that and I went, "Oh, I haven't seen this part moving." I don't think even in the loose cannon recon that was all re- reconstructed, right? That wasn't moving, was it? I don't think so. I didn't think it was either, guys. Because I well, no, actually, was it moving? I think it was moving. I remember the open yeah. was moving. Yeah, it was. I moving. Did, they did use that clip, kind of how they did with the. the Almost like the TV screen, yeah, and then it moved into the the, the stills. But I didn't remember it. Well, maybe I had seen it before, but it just it. You know, I remember watching it this time. Surprised the heck out of me. Oh, we even wondered if the, uh, the, the the opening shot with the the, the chumbly rolling across the the ground, if that was something that maybe had been just they reused certain shots where they could because it seemed like there was a lot of uh, when I watched well, the, the, the 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 shortened recon, yeah. it seemed like there was a lot of moving chumbly stuff. Um, but again, the net sequence was yeah. what tipped me off. It was like, no, I think this is animated. <laughs> the the cool thing about this. that is that, that the BBC did carefully go in and do some uh, computer animation. In fact, the bar coming down on the head, which it's, it's obviously computer animated. The woman is completely CGI. You can see that. It's, it, you know, when you're talking about a piece of machinery, you don't notice it as much. But when yeah. you see an animated person, uh, luckily, it was it was short and done well. But I appreciated that the, the BBC went in and did that, did some care to it to give a little bit of motion to it. And the Chumblies, that's the perfect part to do because yeah. they're easily animated. Yeah. And even the little wobble on the top looked like, for a while, I thought they were using model shots because it was wobbling <laughs> so naturally. And it wasn't until later that I was like, no, they've CGI'd all this, but it's it's really well done. It's really well done. And the uh, the the draw the not the draw the uh, reels exterior the the barrier that's outside with the the door when they come up on that a lot of the backgrounds were CGI that particular scene was CGI as well and I would notice that they would clip they did they meticulously went in and clipped out uh, characters from the stills from the uh, telesnaps yeah, I, I and that put too. them on new backgrounds so that it, at the very least you are which that's one of the limitations that a lot of the recons have is you'll see a shot of somebody maybe not necessarily in the TARDIS but it, they'll have to reuse a background as well that obviously they're in a different location but they had a close enough shot that it didn't matter so much this one they meticulously went and cut out the character put them on a different background in order to put them in another location and even though you're seeing the exact same image still of the of the character the background has changed so that lent to the uh easy ease of going okay I'm, this isn't so bad watching the same stills over and over again because they're not exactly the same stills they've yeah. got a different background on them. it had a good flow to it it did, yeah, it did. It really did whoever oversaw that project uh really put some heart and some uh soul in that and I, I really appreciate they did it I've, i i Ultimately, when it comes down to it, I would have rather have seen this animated. Uh, even with only having one episode exist, I think you could have easily animated. We've always come down to the side we'd rather see animation than oh, we yeah. would, would recons any time. But they they certainly uh, put some uh, attention into this when they did it. So kudos to uh, I'm, I'm assuming to entertain must have done it. The um, I'll go so far as to say that the, the shortened version 
even though there's a part of me that wants to balk <laughs> at that, that you've cut something from Well, I was surprised this. that it wasn't all just the running back and forth. There was a chunk of dialogue from Vicky that got cut. There was a lot of dialogue from Vicky that, uh, Vicky that got cut. But I, I, I would go so far as to say that this particular recon of, of the ones that I've seen... It might be the best that's yeah. not animated. Yeah. And I, I, I think the editing lends some help to that from the standpoint. Because we've talked before that a lot of the unnecessary capture and escape and the running about, um, you know, kind of stuff where you can tell it's filler. This, obviously, they cut a lot of that out that you, you just didn't need. Um, but I think that enabled them to maybe focus a little bit more on the core elements of the story and maybe how those core elements were presented with the CGI and, and, and doing some of that. So I go so far as to say that, yeah, this might have been the best of the recons that I've watched so far. I would still rather have them animated. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd rather have the episode complete, but if, <laughs> barring that, I'd rather have them animated. I, I think my other complaint, and I understand that it comes down to what is on the schedule for release... My only other complaint is to put it on the Aztec Special Edition. That's weird. I almost think I would have preferred them to do a Time Meddler uh, uh, Special Edition, which they haven't done, yeah. and put this on there so at least it's paired with the story that preceded it. Yeah, that's because true. this would have come right on the heel. I mean, th- that's another thing we have to we have to put into perspective is this is only Stephen's third story, and only his second story without full Ian time, and Barbara. Yeah. yeah, full time. Because he's only in the the last two stories of the with the mechanoids in The Chase. He's in Time Meddler and it's just Vicky, the Doctor and, and Steven, and then this is that next story after that. So I, I almost would have preferred I, maybe there was no reason to do a special edition for yeah. uh, I don't the know Time why Meddler. They chose to do one for but I, I well because Aztecs is Aztecs. Yeah, I think it, it, that has to, although Time Meddler is a popular one too, but that has to do with popularity and the fact that it had been many years since they had done the Aztecs. The Time Meddler probably came out on the, since the Aztecs had come out. And I, I think we would have gotten a lot more special editions had Two Entertain continued to work oh, yeah. on this line. And, and Time Meddler might have been one of them. But it has to do with the fact that they had the material. They wanted to get it out, and this was one of the discs that was coming out. Well, at the and time did they, they have a better out. way to remaster them at that point when they were doing more of the special editions, or is no, the mastering they, still the same? No, because they they they've been doing Vidfire for a long time. Okay. Uh, surprisingly, I, I read something that Vidfire has been around a lot longer than I presumed, but <laughs> I can't remember when. But even some of the stuff that wasn't uh special edition uh had been done Vidfire for just its initial release. Oh, okay. So it's been around long enough. Uh I think they probably take a little more care the further, the longer they got did did maybe did go in and, and touch things up a little more. more but detailed. the Vidfiring process is it's it, you guys ever read about the Vidfiring process is it's a phenomenal read because it's it it's it really is amazing that such a simple process that they could do <laughs> will will revitalize film into just as close to uh, video as you possibly can. It's 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 amazing that they. It's such a simple process, but it does so much in just a, a, a quick run through and get it back. It, I'm not. I'm making it sound like it's like off the shelf technology. It's not. It's <laughs> complex, but it's it's simple compared to a lot of complexities yeah. that they do as far as restorations go. That's why we get so many Doctor Who's. When they get returned, to get turned around real quick because they've oh, we, perfected yeah. this vid firing process. All right, anything else we need to 
touch on before we uh, turn this show loose? I don't believe so. I don't think All so. All right, Sean, we'll be coming up with the schedule. Well, this week on the schedule for Friday Night Who, Asylum of the Daleks, Matt Smith episode, which uh, features two companions that uh, will be at Planet Comic Con this weekend in Kansas City. And uh, Who are they? Jenna Coleman and Arthur Darvel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Clara and Rory. So, um, We will also be at Planet Comic Con this weekend, and so if you are in the area, once again, we encourage you to come down and see us. Uh, we have a panel on Saturday at 5.30. We will be presenting the great Traveling the Vortex quiz show. So if you're interested in uh, finding out more about that, you should definitely come. And then uh, we will also be uh, there Sunday morning at 12.30 uh, doing a classic Who panel with Jeremy Bullock. You know him as Boba Fett. We know him as Hal the Archer. <laughs> and Tor. And Tor from the Space, from the Museum. Space Museum. So we're going to spend a lot of time, uh, well, we'll spend an hour uh, talking with Jeremy about 48 minutes. 48 minutes. <laughs> with, with Jeremy uh, talking about his time with uh, William Hartnell and uh, John Pertwee and all the, the fun stuff that was had and, there. And uh, so. uh, Elizabeth Slayton and uh, Ian's name escaped me. Uh, <laughs> William, William Russell. Thank uh, you, Russell. William Russell. I almost and... said William Chesterton. <laughs> <laughs> Chesterfield. Chesterfield. <laughs> Chester, uh, Chester, 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 Chester drawers. The following week, uh, if this, <laughs> we're still, uh, you know, as far as I know, Amazon says it's true, so it must be true. I read it on the internet. Uh, the Underwater Menace finally gets its North American DVD release date. and uh, you, you finally get your, uh, was it a Christmas present? <laughs> what was it supposed to be? Sarah ordered it for you, right? Oh, I think it was uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. I knew it was for an occasion. <laughs> it was either Valentine's Day or our anniversary. I can't remember which. It's, 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 it's in, com- it's in competition with me getting your birthday <laughs> present to you. I, I told her to cancel it. We can pre-order it later. Just go pick it up. And she never canceled it. So <laughs> I'm getting it when it comes out there on Tuesday. Go. Or that Tuesday. So, uh, but we will be uh, doing that for that be uh, next Tuesday. our Friday night. Who to finish no, it out? No, well, the following, not this yeah, following. Right. We'll be doing that to finish out Friday Night Who for May, and then we will be reviewing The Underwater Menace on the po- on the podcast for that week. So, I have more schedule uh, coming up, including uh, some uh, Big Finish stuff. Obviously, we're in the middle of uh, some uh, cons. Uh, we've got some more Beyond the Doctors segments coming, some more Titan comics, uh, all kinds of good stuff. So, Planet, Con, Planet Comic Con really kicks off con season for us. I know for you, in the years past, you've gone to Gallifrey, but Planet Comic Con really is the yeah. one where it starts getting rolling. Everything really just Especially now that it's got pushed back to May. May yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.